Good morning. Welcome to St. Philip Lutheran Church here in Raleigh, North Carolina for our service of worship and praise this Sunday morning. This is the second Sunday of Easter, that season of the church year in which we continue to remember and celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ was indeed resurrected from the grave. He has conquered sin, death, and the devil once for all time for all people everywhere. We are so glad to be counted among that number. He has won for us the forgiveness of our sin, the gift of free salvation, and the gift of eternal life. We are so grateful for your presence here with us virtually this morning. We pray that this service may be both a blessing to you as well as a comfort and a consolation to you in your time of need. This coming Wednesday, by the way, is Earth Day, so all week long we are mindful of the inherent beauty and goodness of God's creation. We thank God for that at the same time as we reflect on how we can be wise stewards of all that He has given us. Wednesday is also what's known as Administrative Professionals Day. So we thank God in particular here at St. Philip for our excellent staff, for Jane, for Catherine, for Bob, for Reagan, and for Esang. Their gifts and their service to us are both essential and invaluable. We could not be who we are or do what we do without each and every one of them. We remind you to please remember your tithes and offerings, which you can give electronically via our website, which is www.stphilip.org. That is st-philip1l. And now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ, Christ is, is risen indeed. indeed. Alleluia. Joined to Christ in the waters of baptism, we are raised with Him to new life. Therefore, let us give thanks to God for the gift of baptism. We give you thanks, O God, for in the beginning you created us in your own divine image and planted us in a well-watered garden. In the desert you promised pools of water for the parched and you gave us water from the rock. When we did not know the way, you sent the Good Shepherd to lead us to still waters. At the cross, you watered us from Jesus' wounded side. And on this day, you shower us again with the water of life. We praise you for your salvation through water, for the water in this font, and for all water everywhere. Bathe us in your forgiveness, your grace, and your love. Satisfy the thirsty and give us the life that only you can give. To you be given all honor and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord in the unity of the Holy Spirit, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Our gathering hymn is Christ is Alive. Let Christians sing.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And, and also with you. and eternal God, the strength of those who believe and the hope of those who doubt. May we who have not seen have faith in you and receive the fullness of Christ's blessing, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now for the reading of the Word of God. Since he was a prophet, 
he knew that God had sworn an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not a man of the Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Word of God, word of life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. John, the 20th chapter, beginning with the 19th verse. Glory Glory to you, Lord. Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. 
Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. <clears throat> Won't you join me now, please, in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we thank You and we praise You this morning both for who You are and for all that You do for us. We thank You for being such a good God all the time, far beyond what we even understand. We thank You, Lord, for Your protection, Your grace and Your mercy, for Your divine providence, for being sovereign over our lives. We ask during this time in particular that You would protect all of us, for we are all your children. We have special concerns for our loved ones, of course, so we lift them to you now also. We pray now, Lord, that you would speak a word of healing and peace and comfort to us, a word of power, challenge, liberation, and equipping. As your word goes forth, we pray as always that it might be for the salvation of souls, the transformation of lives, the edification of all hearers, the furtherance of your kingdom, and ultimately the glory of your name. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. <clears throat> amen. My sermon text for this Sunday is in fact the gospel lesson. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. You can follow along with the text as printed in your bulletin. We always encourage you to do that. My sermon title for today is Identifiable Wounds. Identifiable Wounds. The scripture opens up in verse 19 that when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, meaning that original Easter Sunday, only hours after Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear. Their fear is completely understandable in one sense since they are disciples of a man who has just been executed for reasons of treason and sedition. It stands to reason that they too could be in danger. If Jesus was judged to be a threat enough to have him crucified, it seems likely that his followers likewise would be in grave jeopardy. On the other hand, it is Easter Sunday. Christ has been resurrected from the tomb, and even though they haven't seen Him yet, at least two of them, Peter and John, here in this Gospel, have been to the tomb and found it empty. There is some tragic and humorous irony in this for our lives. Think about it, my brothers and sisters. 
on the greatest, most auspicious and glorious day of all 4,000 recorded years of salvation history, those who are seemingly closest to God are locked away in a room somewhere for fear. Clearly, one could say similar things about us today. Christ is risen this second Sunday of Easter, but we still fear not having enough to make ends meet financially every month. Christ is risen this Easter season, but we still fear for our children and grandchildren, for our elderly parents and grandparents, for any loved one undergoing a treacherous path or a stressful struggle. Christ is risen this season of resurrection power and glorious vindication, and yet we still fear for our own physical health, our mental stability, our emotional well-being, our psychological balance, particularly during this time of self-isolation and pandemic. Many of us are trapped securely behind ironclad walls of fear which paralyze our growth, stunt our faith, and inhibit our love regardless of whether it's Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, or Pentecost, Sunday or any other day of the week, 2020 or almost any other year of our life, pandemic or not. Thank God Jesus walks through walls. Thank God He walks through walls at least twice in this text, speaks peace to His disciples at least three times in this text, and breathes the Holy Spirit into them, giving them the power to forgive or to retain sins. Isn't verse 23 interesting? Compelling. Profound. Unsettling. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Think of how much power is in those words. That bequeathing. Think of how much power you possess as a disciple of Christ based upon those words. In essence, you have the power to forgive others their sin or to retain it. You have the power to relieve people of their burdens of guilt and shame or to continue to allow them to be overwhelmed and crippled by them. You have the power to free people or not, to uplift people or to keep them down. What if there is someone in your life right now with whom or for whom you are harboring resentments in your heart, holding a grudge, withholding forgiveness and healing and restoration, maybe for all the right and deserved reasons you feel. And yet that is bumping up against in this text, in this Scripture, in your heart and in your conscience, the fact that Jesus has been crucified for your sins, resurrected for your forgiveness, and now is giving you the same power to forgive others their sins against you as He has forgiven you your sins against Him. It is an awkward thing, to say the least, not to fully free others what you have yourself been freely received. Not to extend grace and mercy to others, undeservedly so, while you have been the undeserved recipient of exactly the same yourself. There's a lot of power in this verse that we don't think about much and certainly never talk about. You would think Jesus would just command us to go out and forgive. Forgive others their sins. But He doesn't. Not here anyway. He simply says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. He not only gives you a choice in the matter. It's up to you really, right? But He seems to imply that your choice, pro or con, will have transcendent ramifications and heavenly consequences. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. It's like your choices here on this level, earth, time, and space, affect realities on another level somewhere else. It's kind of like what Jesus said to Peter and the other disciples in another place, Matthew 16 to be exact, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's some power, isn't it? 
He could have just easily said, right, look, whatever the Bible says, that's it. No further discussion. Black and white, clear cut, unambiguous, clear as day. But he doesn't. He gives us power. The power of the Holy Spirit to make some decisions, to make some calls. If you bind it on earth, it is bound in heaven. If you loose it on earth, it is loosed in heaven. If you forgive it here, it's forgiven there. If you retain it here, it's retained there. That's a lot of power. We don't think we have. We don't realize we have. And we don't use, mostly because it scares us, because we're so used to thinking of ourselves as powerless people. I don't call the shots. Shots are called for me. I don't make things happen. Things happen to me. I'm not a victor. I'm a victim. And while all of us have been victimized by unfair circumstances and even abusive situations, the greatest travesty and tragedy about that is that we let those things forevermore rob us of our agency, our confidence, our belief in ourselves, and the belief that God could ever use me to determine anything at all, much less heavenly realities. But the Scripture says, if you bind it, it's bound. If you loose it, it's loosed. If you retain it, it's retained. And if you forgive it, it is forgiven. Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, gets a bad rap in this story, unfortunately. Popular history has even dubbed him Doubting Thomas for his refusal to believe as if he were somehow the weaker for it. That's unfortunate, in my opinion, for a couple of reasons. Number one, verse 24 indicates that he was not with them when Jesus came the first time. And since the rest of them were locked up behind closed doors for fear, that at least indicates to me that Thomas was the most courageous of the bunch, since he alone was willing to venture outside unimpeded. And number two, earlier in chapter 11, when Jesus receives news of Lazarus' death, he communicates that he is going to return to Judea, the scene of the death. When he does that, the rest of the disciples discourage such a return, reminding him that many back there wish to stone him. Thomas, alone of all the twelve disciples, courageously backs Jesus, saying, let us also go that we may die with him. So rather than coming across in the narrative as weak, fearful, and doubting, Thomas actually appears strong, brave, and courageous. Thomas, here in chapter 20, does what I dare say any of us would do in his shoes. Unless I see it, I'm not believing. The exact same scene repeats itself a week later, according to verse 26. In verse 27, Jesus provides the evidence that was lacking, in which Thomas demanded back in verse 25, put your finger here, Jesus invites, and see my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas replies in stunned wonder in verse 28, in what many consider to be the climax of the whole narrative of this Gospel, my Lord and my God. Thomas goes from doubt to belief, and the result of belief according to the summary purpose of this entire book, is found in verse 31. Life in Jesus' name. There is an especially intriguing facet of this story that perhaps you did not notice. In all the resurrection accounts of Jesus, He goes unrecognized by His own disciples and friends, those who knew Him best, until something startling happens. When Mary Magdalene meets the resurrected Christ by the empty tomb earlier in this same chapter, she does not recognize Him and supposes Him to be the gardener, actually, until He calls her by her name, Mary. Likewise, on the road to Emmaus in Luke's Gospel, Jesus joins two of His disciples and journeys with them a whole day, engaging in conversation completely unrecognizable to them. Until at dinner that night, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And then and only then did they recognize the resurrected Lord. Isn't it amazing that Jesus is transformed enough in his resurrected body as to be unrecognizable to his best friends by sight, except when he calls their name, God's word, and blesses their meal, 
God's sacrament, the Lord's Supper. Similarly, in verses 19 and 20, herein, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side, i.e. His wounds. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. One possible reading of this text, my friends, which will be consistent with the other resurrection narratives, is that the disciples don't initially recognize Jesus when He enters the room and says, Peace be with you. Only when He shows them His wounds do they know who He is, and that would also explain why He has to say a second time, Peace be with you, because only now do they know who He is. Jesus, in other words, is transformed enough in his resurrected body as to be completely unrecognizable to his own disciples and friends, and yet that resurrection is not so transformative as to eradicate his wounds. And it is precisely the wounds which identify him to them. Follow me now. He has been glorified enough to be thoroughly changed, and yet his wounds have not disappeared, and it is precisely the wounds which offer proof that it is indeed he which identifies him as Jesus. What if we ourselves, who have now been justified by grace through faith, have been changed enough as to be unrecognizable to some of our friends, and yet we still possess our wounds? which enable us to identify with others and have compassion for them? What if we ourselves, who have been crucified to sin and raised to new life, who have been blood-bought and blood-cleansed, who have been saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled, and fire-baptized, have been transformed enough as to be unrecognizable to our families, friends, associates, and co-workers, and yet we still possess the wounds of our suffering and persecution, our trials and tribulations, which enable us to reach out to others in a spirit of love, long-suffering, and identification. What if we became more aware of our own wounds and more aware of others' wounds? What if we became less self-conscious of our own wounds and less judgmental of others' wounds? What if we realized that our woundedness is precisely what we have in common with Christ and with other people? What if we believed that God was in the wounds? What if we were a church not just of word and sacrament, but of word, sacrament, and wounds? Christ's wounds are precisely what identify Him as Christ. Our wounds are precisely what identify us as Christians. When I understand your pain, and you understand my pain, God is present and revealed. When you forgive someone their sins against you because you understand their wounds, God is present and revealed. When you realize that what someone did to you was less about their trying to sabotage and hinder you and more about their own woundedness in their own life's journey, God is present and revealed. Let me say that again because somebody out there needs to hear it. When you realize that what someone did to you was less about trying to sabotage and hinder you and more about their own woundedness in their own life's journey, God is present and revealed. When you realize that wounds are often passed down, unfortunately, within families from one generation to another, mostly unintentionally because all of us hurt and none of us is equipped to deal with it or remedy it to any effective degree. God begins to be present and God begins to be revealed. We are all hurt, my friends. We are all in pain. We are all angry, confused, and defensive. We are all struggling mightily to somehow make a way out of no way, to see a path through the murkiest of nights. And we are all locked by behind closed doors for fear. But what if Jesus comes through those doors? What if He breaks down our walls? What if He says to you and to me, peace be with you? What if He breathes on you and breathes on me and says, receive the Holy Spirit? 
What if he sends us out and forth equipped as the original apostles, giving us the power to forgive or retain, to free or to oppress, to lift up or to hold down, to encourage or discourage, to assist or to hinder, to give life or to destroy it, to liberate or to constrict, to release or to constrain, to loose or to bind. What if Jesus gives us the knowledge that we are both transformed and wounded and that it is our wounds which identify us as followers of him and allow us to identify with others in their pain? According to Scripture, according to this text, he already has. He already has. Identifiable wounds. Wounds which identify. Amen. Our hymn of the day is My Faith Looks Up to Thee. together in professing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe believe in God the Father Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and, and the life everlasting. Amen. Uplifted by the promised hope of healing and resurrection, we join the people of God in all times and places in praying for the church, the world, and all who are in need. Let us pray. <coughs> Open the doors we close, O God, when we fear those who worship You in different ways. Guide us to unity and harmony so that we may come to respect and cherish our commonalities. Lord, in Your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. Open the paths we ignore, O God, when we prioritize financial gain and convenience over listening to the groaning of the earth. Inspire all to care for the world You have made so that living things might thrive. Lord, in Your mercy, hear our prayer. Open the rooms we lock, O God, to those who live without a homeland or place of safety. We pray that generous nations offer refuge and peace for all. Lord, in Your mercy, hear our prayer. Open the hearts we close, O God, to the cries of those in pain. We pray for those isolated physically or emotionally through incarceration, addiction, mental illness, chronic suffering, grief, and all in need. Lord, in Your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. prayer. Open the ways of love, O God, in the pursuit of peace throughout the world, and bless the efforts of missionaries, healthcare professionals, activists for women and children, and relief workers, especially those who find themselves in harm's way. Lord, in Your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. Open the way to eternal life, O God, as we remember those who have died in faith. Free us from the fear of death that we embrace the peace You have promised. Lord, in Your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. We continue to pray for all those suffering from this pandemic, for the bereaved, for the lonely, for the sick, for those in harm's way, for the unemployed and underemployed, for the fearful and anxious, for the depressed and grief-stricken. We pray for wisdom and competence at every level of government. We pray for our preschool, for our children and families, our teachers and staff, our board, and our director, Leanne. We pray for our youth and our young adults. Lord, in Your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Lord, we thank You for our staff here. For Jane, for Catherine, for Bob, for Reagan, for Isang. Lord, in Your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. With bold confidence in Your love, Almighty God, we place all for whom we pray into Your eternal care. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As the family of St. Philip, we ask that You open our ears to hear Your call for us and guide our feet in following. Help us to be good stewards of our time and treasure and to put our trust in You to provide. We ask for blessings on the life of our pastor and that Your Spirit guide us in this new relationship in ministry. We put our hope in You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now let us thank God for the gift of His Holy Word. Let us pray. Praise and thanks to You, Holy God, for by Your Word You made all things. You spoke light into darkness, called forth beauty from chaos, and brought life into being. For Your Word of life, O God, we, we give, give You thanks, thanks and praise. By Your Word, You called Your people Israel to tell of Your wonderful gifts, freedom from captivity, water on the desert journey, a pathway home from exile, wisdom for life with You. For Your Word of life, O God, we give You thanks and praise. Through Jesus, Your Word made flesh, You speak to us and call us to witness. 
forgiveness through the cross. Life to those entombed by death. The way of Your self-giving love. For Your Word of life, O God, we give You thanks and praise. Send Your Spirit of truth, O God. Rekindle Your gifts within us. Renew our faith. Increase our hope. And deepen our love for the sake of a world in need. Faithful to Your Word, O God, draw near to all who call upon You. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, to whom, with You and the Holy Spirit, be all glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray together now as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now receive the benediction of our Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine down upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. Amen. Our sending hymn is Shout to the Lord. ask that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. Jesus tells us that a second is like it. We shall love our neighbors as ourselves. We answer that call and we go out to share the love of Christ. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.